Luke chapter 13, verse 23 through 27. Luke chapter 13. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? That's a good question for us to ask. Am I lost or am I saved? Amen. And he said unto them, strive to enter in at the straight gate. There's a striving here in this gate, that straight gate. It's a narrow way. And Jesus said, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. That's a sobering thought this morning. Verse 25, when once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. I feel the Holy Ghost in here this morning. Hallelujah. Verse 26, then shall you begin to say, he, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. He said, we've been to church. We've come. We've heard the word, and we've done everything we know to do, and you've taught. And, but he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. I take my title from a, from a song, from a 1987 song written by the Hempfields. Can you see the clock from where you stand? Amen. Let's pray one more time. Lord, speak to hearts. Touch minds. Help me, O oh God, today to bring forth your word. Let your anointing move in this place. God, we are nothing without you. Hallelujah, 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 Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> well, before you're seated, ask your neighbor that question. Can you see the clock from where you stand? Verse 25 says, when the master of the house, everybody say the master of the house, that's Jesus, is risen up and has shut, not just shut the door, but shut to the door. Little emphasis on that. Made it sure. Amen. We know that this is simply a metaphor talking about the door to a house, God's house. This door simply represents the closing of a door of opportunity. What a great opportunity we have today. Amen. This is the expiration of time, this closing of the door for us to RSVP to a very important invitation. It's the missing. If we don't get to this door in time, it's the missing of an appointed appointment, an appointed time that each and every one of you have. It seems like our lives are gauged upon the clock, upon set times and appointments. Amen. Have you ever missed an appointment before? Have you ever missed an important appointment? Well, your appointment with God is one that you do not want to miss. Amen. I remember when back in 1979, and that's a long time ago, uh, but I had an appointment to go to the United States Postal Service to apply for a position there. It was in March of 1979. I was at the University of Cincinnati in my sophomore year. 
and it was in the springtime there, ending of our sophomore year. Um, I was struggling with school, with the academics of it all, and and I was struggling with the party life. This was before I was in church. I was this the total 24-7 party time if you wanted it. And I would, couldn't hardly escape that. It was affecting my life. I just knew that I needed a change. And between my freshman and sophomore year, then the summer break, I went and took the post office test and just for nothing, lack of nothing else to do, you know, me and a buddy went down there and did it. But then the following year in March of 1979, I got a call that I could come and apply for a, a position there. And, uh, it was March spring break. And for partiers, spring break is one of the highlights of the year. And we were coming to Daytona Beach, Florida, like we'd done for the last several years at spring break. And man, I wanted to be at spring break in Daytona Beach, Florida. Amen. And, uh, but it was at that time and I, you know, I told my buddies and they thought, oh, I was all, they thought I was crazy. You're going to miss this and for that, you know, and I, but I made the decision to go. So I, I left Cincinnati and I went home to my home in Newark, Ohio. And the Columbus, Ohio was where I had to report to sometime during that week. And <clears throat> I was there waiting for the day. And the night before, we had a snowstorm, a snowstorm in March. That's Ohio, folks. If you're just a native Floridian, you don't know anything about it. That That's why people want to come to Florida, amen, in the wintertime because of snow, storms, and cold weather. But this was in March, a snowstorm. I woke up for my appointment. I was ready to go. I wanted to go uh, get that job at the post office. And my mom and dad said, no, you can't go. We had a snowstorm. There's snows covering the the highways and it's dangerous and we can't, we can't go. And I said, I got to go. I called the highway patrol and they said, well, we're advising every people not to get on the highways. And I hung up the phone. I said, they're advising people not to get on it. They're not forbidding people to get on the highways. Finally, my parents relented and I made the journey, the 40 minute drive. It took me a lot longer than it's expected. And, and I was running late because of this storm and because my parents had held me up a little bit. But I got to the door of that room in the, at the post office there in Columbus, Ohio, and I knocked on the door and a guy opened it up, said, we've already started the interviews. And I said, yeah, I know, but, uh, you know, there's a snowstorm out there. So he let me come in and the interviewer was up at the front of the class and it was a group of people that were going to this. And he looked at me. I remember he, he just looked upset, you know, and he was mad about it. He said, we've already started the, uh, the interview and you're <clears throat> 20 minutes late, you know. And I said, with all due respect, sir, there's a snowstorm out there. I, I made, pleaded my cause. And he said, go ahead, let him in. He told the guy at the door, shut the door. Nobody else is coming in. I just made it in. Hallelujah. And I made that appointment. I had a great career at the United States Post Office. Amen. And I remember that um, I had to have a probation time. It was either 30 or 90 days. I forget. But after I got through that probation period, I applied for a job in Melbourne, Florida. I was wanting to get to Florida. Well, just hold that thought there for a moment and here seven months uh, went by and fall of the next year came of 1979. It was fall now. And um, 
I was going to continue my education part-time, go to work in, at the Ohio State branch there in my hometown. While I'm there, there was a friend of mine, a party friend of mine that I saw in the hallways. And it was like, hey, I'm back from, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones and social media. And the only way you knew what was going on is if you ran into somebody and by word of mouth, you know, you didn't have all this texting and all this other stuff. But we met up and I thought there's a, there's a party buddy, and I said, we're going to get together. And he said, yeah, I want to talk to you. So we met in the cafeteria at lunchtime, and uh, he began to uh, tell me and testify to me how he had found the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I went to this church, and he said, I got the Holy Ghost. I began speaking in other tongues, and I'm like, what? You know, never heard of all this stuff before. And he said, I got the Holy Ghost. And he said, I got baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, I haven't had any more drugs or alcohol since that time. And I went away from that little short meeting and that testimony from him. And But I said in my heart, I want what he's got. Hallelujah. I want you to know that your testimony is a powerful thing, folks. When you begin to relate to people and they can see the peace and the expressions on your face and to realize how the Lord has changed you. There's power in that. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, the Holy Ghost is never going to come down and witness to anybody. Amen. He's going to use us. He's going to witness through the body of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Share your testimony. He invited me to a revival service. And, um, and I went. Um, I wanted to go um, to this church and... I went home, told my parents they were all upset. He said, those people are crazy over there. And we, we used to go when we were kids and uh, they had tent revivals and we'd go and laugh at them and honk our horns and all this stuff. And I said, I just got to check it out. You know, there was something and there was an internal storm. There's no snowstorm that day, but there was sure was an internal storm. Can you remember coming to the Lord and how that battle raged within you and how you struggled to make the right choices and go? And it was almost like I can remember. Remember a physical resistance as I was walking across the parking lot of that church, Christian Apostolic Church in Newark, Ohio, in the fall, October of 1999, October the 19th, actually, because I went to church that day and the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost and I got baptized in Jesus name. It was a divine appointment with God. And I went into that appointment there and I went into that church and there was probably 500 people in that revival service. But it seemed like that preacher was looking at me the whole time and just talking to me the whole time. And he was saying, this is your last chance. You're talking about living for me. You need to live for me today. Amen. I want to tell somebody today, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off any longer. Amen. I'd always said, I'd always told the Lord, he said, when I get married, I'm going to settle down, quit drinking, quit drugging. I'm going to settle down and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to find a good church when I get married. But the Lord was calling my 
uh, bluff or calling my hand that night and was telling me this was, I felt like he was saying, this is your last chance. I ran to that altar. I can remember. I wanted my mind to get off of it. I wanted to get out of there somehow. But I had a guy on this side that just had his hands lifted up, praising the Lord. And I had a guy on this side just had his hands up, praising the Lord. I couldn't get my mind off. I, I had to focus upon the Lord. I want you to know your worship's powerful too. Amen. That's why we come into the house of the Lord and we begin to worship. It draws our attention, hallelujah, on the thing that's going on here. And that's God's trying to move upon the hearts and the minds of individuals. And I'm so thankful that I did not miss that appointment with Almighty God. Hallelujah. And I came up to the, in the, to the altar and lifted up my hands. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I got baptized in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And all of my sins were washed away. Aren't you thankful for the power of the name of Jesus? Amen. I'm glad I didn't miss that appointment. October's when I got the Holy Ghost. Got in church. November. I'm at work. And the postmaster comes out. And he says, did you apply for a job in Melbourne, Florida. I said, I sure did. He said, you're going. Two weeks, you're reporting there. I said, okay, I'm ready to go. Uh, it wasn't snowing in November, but it was probably freezing rain. And the gray clouds begin to move in at the November time. And you don't see the sun for weeks on end. I don't know if you've ever been to Ohio, but it's a pretty dreary place to live. Amen. <laughs> But it was, and I was so excited about it. And I told my buddy, I got, I got a transfer to Melbourne, Florida. I'm going to Florida, man. And he said, well, you got to go talk to pastor. I said, well, okay, I'll tell him I'm moving to Florida. I got in, it was Pastor Newstrand, Bishop. You probably know Pastor Newstrand from Newark, Ohio. And um, Brother Newstrand uh, went and met with me. And I told him my plans. He said, uh, I don't think that's a good idea, Tim. He says, you just got into church. You're new. You go down there. You're not going to know anybody. I'm afraid for your walk with the Lord. And I went away from there pretty upset and depressed about it, you know. But I decided I was going to listen to the voice of my pastor. Amen. So there's a little side story for you right there. That we won't take another offering up for you. But it's just about as important as the rest of it. Listen to the man of God. You need a man of God in your life. And you need to draw the man of God into the important decisions in your life. I firmly believe on that and stand upon that. So I didn't go. Amen. I didn't get to go to Florida. But then some 20 years later, I believe it was, I had an opportunity to go to Florida and to work in Florida. Hallelujah. And here I wasn't even thinking about it at that time. Hey, here I am. I live in Florida, sunny Florida. This is where everybody wants to be. I just want you to know that I just said all that, that as you stay faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a God that will give you the desires of your heart. I believe that. He's a great God. Amen. But it says, it says in those that are without, standing without, they begin to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are, or I do not know you in your spiritual position. 
I don't know you where you are in your walk. So I ask this question, a sobering question this morning. Where do you stand in your walk with the Lord? And can you see the clock from where you stand? You know that the world has what they call a death clock. The world death clock is a dynamic clock that calculates the number of people that are dying in the world every second. The average is 56 million people die a year. 106.6 people, half a person, people die every minute. So I calculated that. And in the next 40 minutes of this message, some 4,260 people will go out into eternity. Their clock will have stopped. Amen. I want to call this clock the reality check clock. Luke chapter 16 talks about a certain rich man that was clothed in purple and fine linen. He fared sumptuously. He was in luxury every day. And it also talks about a certain beggar by the name of Lazarus. And he was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed of the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And the dogs even came and licked the sores of this old poor beggar Uh, verse 22 it says and it came to pass that the beggar died everybody say the beggar died and was carried to the angels into abraham's bosoms the rich man also died everybody say the rich man also died and was buried i would like to tell you today that this thing called death is the great equalizer of each and every one of us that sits here today. I know it's kind of gruesome. It's just a reality check for each and every one of us. We all know that we're going to die someday. But sometimes we need to remind ourselves that life is short. And that our time is short. And it's time to quit putting off the Lord and the things that need to be done for Almighty God. Amen. But this great equalizer that we call death. That it comes upon the rich and the poor. It doesn't matter where you were uh, born. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your account. It doesn't matter what family you were born into. This thing called death will knock at each and every one of our doors. It says in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes and he saw Lazarus and Abraham afar off. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he can dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. The rich man lifted up his eyes from hell. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. Amen. Abraham said, son, remember or this reality check. But it was too late. And I want to say this. That every one of us will take this reality check in our lives. Whether we do it before our clock expires. Or afterwards. At some point. We are going to remember. He said remember thou in thy lifetime. And that space that I was dealing with you. You know God created time. He set time into motion. And one day the Bible says an angel is going to put one foot on the sea and one foot on the shore and declare time no more. And that's when eternity will begin. Amen. But he said in this lifetime you received the good and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And he said that there's a great 
gulf fixed between us that we cannot pass from here to there. And he said to Abraham, we'll send Lazarus to my five brethren and to testify unto them that they will not come to this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and they have the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God. Let them hear them. We need to realize that the word of God is powerful. Amen. That the word of God is what we need to have our hearts and our minds set upon. Amen. It's not just for Bishop to study. It's for each and every one of us to look into this word. Hallelujah. And to realize that out of this word we find life. Amen. And we find our breath through Jesus Christ through this word. There is power in the word of God. And he said, the rich man said, no, but if, if one went unto them from the dead, he said, they will repent then. And he, they saw a sign basically of what he was saying. And it seems like everybody is looking for a sign. But the Bible says simply this, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Hallelujah. And that he is a rewarder of them that will diligently seek him. I want you to know that the proof of God is in each and every individual that has given their life over to him. It's the transformation that takes place in our lives. Hallelujah. That's the proof that there is a God in heaven. And since that day in October 1979, I've not had another taste of alcohol, never done drugs anymore. Hallelujah. Not a perfect life, but my God is a deliverer. And that's why we have true worship when we realize what God has done in our lives. Amen. It's the experience that we've had through God that lets us realize that, yes, there is a God, a hallelujah, that's God that's alive and a God that's real and a God that can transform you. If you're happy with just going through the motions and this message is not for you, but if you want to draw closer to God and you want to make sure you're standing in the right position with Almighty God, and I want you to hear this today oh God and to realize that the reason why some people go a little crazy is because God's done great things in their lives hallelujah don't judge them for running around the church because you don't know where God's brought them from you don't know like I know what God has done for me hallelujah oh hallelujah hallelujah He'll transform your life. He'll make you a new creature. Hallelujah. He'll change you. Hallelujah. 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 And that's why we can worship. Anybody can praise God. Anybody can lift up their hands and say, Oh God, we worship you. We praise you. But true worship comes because you know. Hallelujah. What God can do in the life and the hearts and the minds of individuals. Woo! He's a transforming God. He'll make you new. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But there's this appointed time. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us as it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. We're going to be judged for our actions, folks. But the good news is in verse 28... It says, so Christ once offered to bear the sins of many. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. 
God has done all the work. I said, God has done all the work. He went to Calvary. He took your sins upon him. Hallelujah. There's no way I could have come to an altar and have brought the mess of my life to the Lord and on my own. Hallelujah. But I realized that he was saying, I have forgiven you. I have taken your sins upon me. I've done the work. I've went to the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I was able to come to the altar that day and many times since then and to come to the Lord and say, oh God, uh, I need you. I need your touch, oh Lord. Uh, I need your help in my life. God is able and God desires for us to know that. But there is an appointed time for us. Can you see the clock from where you stand? The other clock that I ran across was this doomsday clock. The doomsday clock is a symbol that represents the likelihood of a man-made global catastrophe. Maintained since 1947, the clock is a metaphor for threats to humanity from unchecked scientific and technical device advances. The doomsday clock is set at 100 seconds before midnight. I'm going to call this clock the voice of of reason because even the world has said we're close to midnight only a minute and a few seconds before midnight before something has to happen amen and you have to have your head in the sand not to realize that the prophecies of the bible are coming to pass Amen. I don't have time to get in it and I don't even know all of them, but the word of God is real. It is coming to pass. God is orchestrating everything around us for these last and uh, trying days that we're in. In Second Timothy chapter three, it says, no, also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. I ran across that and it just caught my attention. Why do they worry about being despisers of those that are good. They're always wanting us to say, just leave us alone. It's our life. We'll live it how we want to. That was my motto with my group of guys that we grew up with. And before we come to the Lord was that it's our life and we'll do whatever we want to. Don't tell us what to do and what not to do. But I want you to know that God's word, hallelujah, demands not only a response, but it demands that we live according to the words that are written on the pages therein. Amen. And that the despisers the, those that are good, they've taken God out of the schools and they've taken God out of the courtrooms uh, and now they have the church that they have to contend with. Amen. And thank God for the church. And the reason why they despise those that are good is because we are a constant irritation to them and a reminder to them and a conviction, which is a good thing. 
to that they don't even realize, but a conviction of the heart and the mind to those that are not in the church. Amen. They need to realize that we only have the best thing uh, that's going in this world uh, and that what we have is what they need. Amen. But they're despisers of those that are good. And the Bible says that like it was in the days of Noah, they were just eating and drinking and marrying and just going about their own business and they did not know that was coming upon the face of the earth and that every man did that which was right in his own life in their own eyes and that's what we're living in today church is that there's no right or no wrong amen but i'd like to correct that statement to say that there is a way hallelujah in the word of god that we need to live by according to these pages that are written here for us and the bible admonishes us not to be deceived. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be deceived. In Matthew chapter 24, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and asked a couple questions. And he said, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Don't be deceived. Deceived means to wander or to be out of the way. Galatians tells us, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Don't deceive yourself into believing that you're getting by. God is watching. Hallelujah. God knows all things. And if you're sowing to the flesh, I want you to know you're going to reap of the flesh. But if you're sowing to the Spirit, hallelujah, if you're walking after the Spirit of God, I want you to know that God is right there with you and that you'll reap of the spiritual things and in the end, everlasting life. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 12, it talks about, and if the good men of the house had known the hour in which the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. If you knew that the thief was coming to your house Today at 11 o'clock, you would have skipped church and stayed home to deter the thief from coming to your, to your house. And he says, if you know that, if you could know these things, he said, be ye therefore also ready. Hallelujah. For the son of man cometh at an hour when you think not. The Lord is coming back, church. Hallelujah. The Lord is coming with an appointment for each and every one of us. And we need to realize that we have to have our hearts and our minds set upon Him. Don't be deceived. Jesus talked about those Pharisees of those days. He said, you can discern the face of the sky. You know when it's going to rain. You know when it's going to blow in a, a cool wind from the south. He says... But uh, you cannot discern this time. He was getting on them and saying, you've been deceived. You can know these things. But how is it that you cannot discern the time? This is the voice of reason today. This clock to help us to realize, to know that the word of God is true. And the word of God is forever settled in heaven. And the word of God is coming to pass right before our eyes. The question is, can you see this clock from where you stand? Amen. The third one and the last 
a, a clock that I want to talk about is the alarm clock. How many like the alarm clock? Perhaps you woke up to it this morning, probably since you come to the later service. You don't like to get up early, but still you probably awoken to alarm clock. It's a device that can be made to sound at this time set in advance. It's used to wake someone up. And I want to call the alarm clock the clock of urgency. Amen. In Romans chapter 3 verse 11 it says, And that now knowing the time, that now it is high time. In other words, it is time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. The night is far spent, folks. We've played around long enough. Hallelujah. The day is at hand. It's high time for us to awake, to arouse ourselves out of sleep. Awake means through the idea of collecting one's faculties. Think about it in other words. It's to rouse from obscurity, to rouse from inactivity, to rouse from the ruins and from non-existence. It simply means to lift up, to stand up, to rise up, hallelujah, and to stand up for what is right, amen? And it's time for the church to wake up, amen. It's time for each and every one of us to awake unto the things that God is trying to accomplish through each and every one of us. It's time for the church to wake up. And it's time for the church to stand up. Amen. And to say, I am a light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're taking it to a lost and dying world. Oh, hallelujah, church. Sound the alarm and to realize, hallelujah, that we need to awake. First Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that we need to awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness and simply means to do The right thing. Amen. To heed the call. Just to do the right thing. Awake to righteousness. Stir your faculties. Amen. Arise from obscurity and inactivity in the ruins and non-existence. But you can awake yourself, hallelujah, to do the right things and to sin not. And God has given this great invitation to us. This time of invitation for us, this opportunity, if you will, for us to come unto him. In John chapter 7 and verse 37, it says, In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, Out of his belly, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given... 
Because Jesus was not yet glorified. In other words, Jesus was here. There was no reason for the Holy Ghost. But when Jesus left, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come again to you. I'm going to send my spirit unto you. And that's where the Holy Ghost comes into play. And he says, I'll give you my spirit. Hallelujah. But we need to realize that we have to have a thirst and a desire for God. He's just looking for an empty vessel. He's just looking for somebody that says, I want more of you, God. I don't want to miss my appointment. Amen. In Matthew, he said this after the feast. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, come unto you, come unto me, all ye that are rich. He doesn't say, come unto me all ye that have your life together. He doesn't say, come unto me all ye that have your ducks in a row, so to speak. And I'm so thankful for that. He says, come unto me all ye that labor. And you're heavy laden. I want you to know that you don't have to bring anything uh, to the Lord except yourself. Hallelujah. And a desire that says, God, I want you and I need you. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest. Hallelujah. Everybody say rest for your souls. There is nothing like the rest that the Lord will give. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light we are in living in a world that is in disarray there is no rest in this world hallelujah but thank god you can lay your head down on the pillow at night and be at peace with your creator hallelujah if you allow him to have the first place in your life amen he tells about an invitation that a certain man gave Speaking of himself, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time and said to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. Everybody say excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and to see it. I pray thee, have me excused. We say that into our hearts sometimes. We say, Lord, it's not the right time. Not today. Lord, have me excused. I got, I got this to accomplish. And just like me, it was like, I gotta, I gotta get married first. I gotta settle down first. And he's saying no more excuses. Hallelujah. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray, have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come and so the servant came and showed his lord these things then the master of the house everybody say master of the house just like the one we read earlier that went and shut to the door that's the same master of this house being angry said to his servant go out quickly into the streets and lanes and the cities bring in hither the poor and the maimed the halt and the blind and the servant said lord it is done as thou hast commanded and yet there is room and the Lord said unto his servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be fulfilled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Folks, we've got to get this invitation right. I said we've got to get this invitation right. This is one of the greatest invitation. It is the greatest invitation that you will ever receive. It's from the Lord that says, come, come unto me. 
Let me into your life. Hallelujah. And I don't care if you've never, this is your first time to be in the house of the Lord or you've been here 60 years. Amen. The Lord is still knocking at our heart's door saying, come, come unto me. I have more for you. Amen. God desires for each and every one of us to give our lives over to him. So I ask this question again. Can you see the clock from where you stand? Let's all stand this morning. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said this. He said, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is that door, that door of opportunity. And he's saying, I'm I'm here. It's open right now. Amen. Will the question is, is will you enter in today? Are you going to shut it off? Are you going to put it off? Or are you going to enter in today? I invite you to come to this altar right now, everyone to come and to say, Lord, I want to position myself, hallelujah, to be able to see your time clock and to see where you're leading and the guiding. Repentance in Jesus' name. We need to repent of our sins, turn to the Lord, be baptized in Jesus' name. And receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jesus said this. He said, I stand at your door. He's standing at your door right now. The door of your heart. And he's knocking. And you come into this altar this morning. Is you responding to that knock. And saying, Lord, I want to position myself to be able to see your calling. This is one appointment that you cannot afford to miss. Won't you come take a few minutes to enter into the presence of the Lord. We love you Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God in thy name we worship you O Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh Don't leave this morning without answering the call. Hallelujah, hallelujah.